This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Yeah, you come to me today. You want some Parmesan? Yeah, I'll get you some Parmesan. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. 25-20, 15-10, snowshoes, touchdown! Kansas City! According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. It's over! The Bullpups have knocked out Bishop the Age! And for the ninth time in school history, the Bullpups stand atop the state of Kansas! Everything happening in the sports world. Oh, oh, are you serious? Slam jam, Get him ready for the NBA Duncan contest! And even some things not happening in the sports world. So, you're saying you will not watch any episodes of The Bachelor this year? I think I'd rather have a tooth pull. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing, another edition of According to Jim, right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. You're a busy man today because substate pairings are out. Yeah, and they came out when I was at lunch, so I scurried back like a little muskrat. I did get the uh, McPherson uh, pairings up, and as soon as the show's over, I'll get all the area schools up because their substates came out as well. Of course, we got three schools that are involved in regional play in 1A this week, and then, of course... The top two teams from those regionals uh, move on to substate next week. We've got a couple of special guests in studio with us this afternoon, but before we get to them, I wanted to run through the McPherson substate opponents real quick with you, Steve. So on the girls' side, McPherson is the three seed in 5A West, which means that they are matched up with the 14 seed, and that is Andover, who they already beat this year 55-44 to back in their first game of the season in November. Then if they win, and that first game will be on Wednesday of substate, if they win, they would play on Friday night at home at 7 o'clock against either Bishop Carroll or against Newton in that 6-versus-11 matchup, which, Steve, before we dive into the boys, I think that's a pretty good draw for the girls and a great chance to come out of there with a couple of wins. Well, what it tells me is 5A West is loaded. It's really, really I mean, good. Andover girls are the 14th seed. Uh, you know, they gave the Bullpups a really good battle down there. Granted, it was the first game of the year, and everybody was kind of going through the feeling-out process. But Andover's not a bad basketball team. And then you look at the other game, uh, they play either Newton or Carroll. Newton's got the, the Colonel girl, who is really girl uh, good. Uh, Newton girls beat McPherson, uh, I think, the last time they played Two them. years Two ago. Two years ago. And then, of course, Carroll, always fundamentally sound. Carroll is going to be Carroll, and no matter what sport they are, they'll be highly competitive and extremely well coached. Then on the boys' side, which is Thursday and Saturday at the 5A level, it switches off for each classification. So 6A is the opposite, Wednesday, Friday for the boys, Thursday, Saturday for the girls. But for the boys, playing is the sixth seed in 5A West, which they bumped up one more spot from where we thought they were going to be because of a big upset in the City League last night. Bishop Carroll pulled off a huge win over Wichita Heights, which moved some people around. So McPherson ends up on the boys' side as the sixth seed at 14-5. and five. And then the 11 seed that they will match up with is a team that you and I have been talking about all season long as a scary potential first-round opponent, the Newton Railers with Ty Berry and his potential to go off for 30 or more every single time he touches the floor. So that is an extremely tough game. Then if they win 
On Saturday, that would mean that if the higher seed on the other side wins, Bishop Carroll, who's the three seed with just one more win in the same record, they take on Cape and Mount Carmel. So if Bishop Carroll wins and McPherson wins, the Bullpup boys would go on the road on Saturday night. If Capen wins, if they beat Bishop Carroll, which they could easily do, they've given them a couple of good games this year. McPherson would then host Capen. Boys draw, very scary. Well, you're not a kidding. And uh, playing Newton, that you know, when I first moved to town, and one of our guests here knows this rivalry very well, Coach Schwarzendruber, he was a part of that uh, McPherson-Newton. Back in the 80s, it was one of the state's best rivalries. I mean, Newton had Jay Franz, Todd Christian. Those guys were just unbelievable. So if the Bullpups are fortunate to get past that, then you got the winner of the Holy War, Capen and Carroll. And one good thing is, uh, even if Carroll does win that game as you'd think they would, they're going to spend a lot of emotional energy and, and just have one day in between those two games to kind of wind down from a very emotional game because Capen and Carroll, it's kind of like McPherson-Bueller or in the old days, McPherson-Hutch, McPherson-Newton. Really tough draw for the Bullpup boys. But, you know, when you look at 5A West on both sides, you knew you are going to have to play two tough games because 5A West just dwarfs 5A East. I mean, up and down, there's just great teams. McPherson beat Bishop Carroll last year. And then after that, Carroll won 13 games in a row and won the 5A state championship. So they get to take on that team. And another stat that I looked up this morning, Steve, I found it very interesting. The McPherson girls, so they won 4A Division One last year. Right. And now they're playing at the 5A level for the first time since 2011. Do you know how many teams in the history of Kansas high school girls basketball have ever won a state championship at one classification, bumped up to the next classification, and then won it the next year. The only guess I could have would be Miege when it was Miege girls when they were ping ponging back and forth between 5A and 4A. That'd be the only school I think it could have done it. Bishop Miege has never done it. Okay. The only team that ever did it was Hiawatha, and that was because they expanded from 5A being the max to 6A being the max. They won 3A one year, then 4A the next okay. year against essentially the same team. So a chance for them to do something that no team has ever done before. So that will do it for our high school sports talk today. We've got a couple of special guests in studio with us this afternoon from the McPherson College basketball teams. We've got men's coach Tim Swartzendruber, women's coach Josh Nichols. Gentlemen, the last time that you were in here, you were getting ready for the Mayor's Cup. I know it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it's good to have you back in here. Thank you. Thank you. We've got the microphone levels tested enough there. There we go. Okay. Well, you guys wrapped up your season on Saturday and finished off the year with Bethel. Coach Nichols, your women finished the season very strong, won six of the last seven games, picked up a fun senior night win. Coach Schwarzenberger, you guys had a, a different finish to your season, losing eight out of the last nine. Have you been able to decompress a little bit and step back from basketball yet? Have you been able to spend any time with your families? Because for the last four months you haven't been able to. What have you been doing the last three days without basketball? Recruiting. You know, getting on the <laughs> it road. It never stops. And, yeah, never stops. Well, Coach Swartz and Dribber, what have you been doing? Well, I, Sleeping? I, I, yeah, I always <laughs> find it interesting when people ask you that question, well, what are you doing now with all your free time? It's like you don't have anything to do. There's always plenty to do. And certainly uh, just, uh, you know, uh, on the men's side, we had the all KCAC meeting on Monday. Uh, I'm the chairman of the men's basketball coaches, so honestly, that was a lot of work in preparing for that, organizing that, and that we spent most of the day in Wichita on Monday, and then uh, you know just getting your your equipment checked in, inventory, um, and also you know haven't been going to be on the recruiting trail tonight, but haven't had that opportunity yet. But certainly that will be. Um, 
coming up here in the next few weeks. Well, Tim, I have, I have to ask you one thing since you were at the meeting. Of course, the big question had to be the vote for player of the year. Uh, we had two superstars this year in the conference, Cameron Hunt and Jordan Murdoch, and I think you'll agree with me, they could have played at a much higher level. Uh, they have that kind of talent. Cameron Hunt was named player of the year this year. I thought that was the right choice for one thing. I thought so too. I thought one thing. Uh, he really elevated his team. George, nothing against Jordan Murdoch, an amazing, amazing player, 6'4", 280 pounds, and is nimble and you know plays like a guard. But I thought Cameron Hunt was the obvious choice. And do you know how close the vote was, or would you say it was very close? Well, it, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, so I guess a few comments. First of all, I wholeheartedly agree that Cameron Hunt – uh, was the best player in the league this year. And, you know, last year Jordan Murdoch was the player of the year. But, uh, again, Cameron Hunt made people around him better. You know, he finished second in the nation in score. Well, I guess they're still playing. But right. currently he is second in the nation in scoring and second in the nation in assists. That's a, that's incredible. And, as again, you, you guys watched him play. makes people around him better. It, interesting you ask about the vote. Yes, I was involved to, to see all the voting. Every coach but one uh, voted Cameron Hunt as the player of the year, and w there was just one coach that voted for Jordan Murdoch as player of the year. So that, that was, I think, real, obviously uh, the sentiment around the league. Let me ask you this. Just we'll get off this real quick, but something is always – how does how do players like Cameron Hunt and Jordan Murdoch fall through the cracks and end up at the NAI because they could have played at a much higher level, a NCAA lower Division one school, an NCAA Division two. How do these players? How did people miss on these guys? Well, that's a great question, and again, I know we've had this discussion earlier this year, and I've talked about it too, and just in my tenure at McPherson, especially in the last five years, the talent level in the KCAC, it's unbelievable how much better players are. I mean, no offense to the Kansas kids, but if you look around the rosters on the KCAC now, you don't see very many Kansas kids on them, and Cameron Hunt was a player who at the time, he's from Duncanville, Texas, He, believe it or not, he did not start on his high school team. <laughs> he was a late he was a late bloomer yeah. and you know even in southwestern his first year he was good but what you watched there was just a, a great you know Matt O'Brien does a great job but just in terms of development uh, that's what happened there and Jordan Murdoch kind of interesting again if you follow you know was a very very good player in the city league went to Hutch Juco didn't really get much time at Hutch Juco he's a very large individual now he was an even larger individual right. when he was at Hutch Juco. So I don't believe he had many opportunities out of Hutch. It was convenient for him to go back home to Friends. Friends gets a lot of those players. I think, you know, Conley, Poppy Conley, another example, was, start, was playing at Oral Roberts and then had some things come up, ended up going back to Friends. So certainly I agree, uh, those two. And I, th I would say Isaiah Palmer from Ottawa is another one that those guys were talent-wise good enough to play higher. Cameron Hunt dropped 40 points on Oral Roberts. I think that tells you right there yeah. what kind of a player he is. Well, Coach Nichols, on your side, on the women's side, they announced the KCAC all-conference teams. And Coach Schwartzendruber's guys did not have anybody on the list, but you had one, and that was Brittany Roberts, as an honorable mention. What did you take away from this season with all of these different players? Who, who would have been your vote for Player of the Year? I know that Kaya Comley from Sterling won, but who would have been some of your players that you would have had on the first team? Uh, you know, the first team actually is, is exactly the way I voted. Um, 
you know, so I, I felt like that was a pretty accurate description of, of uh, the talent level in the league and where people kind of fell into place. Um, so I had no problem with, with that. And I think you couldn't go wrong between Comley or, or, or Edinger, either one. Um, maybe Edinger hadn't had the season this year that she had in the past. But, um, you know, she was the focal point of every team's defensive game plan for sure. So, um, so they had a lot of other kids step up around Tabor to, to help that out too. So, Well, Josh, when I look at the KCAC women this year, to me there wasn't that super team. I know Sterling at one time was 18-0, and and you look at Tabor's final record was very good. But when you watch the teams play, I mean, and, and when you played them, Sterling was 18-0 and and number seven at the country, yet the last time you played them at the sports center, you're two point-blank layups away from beating them. And then you look at how you played some of the other teams, you were right there with them. So really, when you look at the KCAC women's race, um, everybody could have other really other than York maybe everybody could beat everybody on a given night yeah which made it very very interesting year um you had to you had to kind of lace them up tight every night and, and get ready to go and uh you know really felt like uh, some of the scheduling we had you know I don't I, I haven't looked that close but I don't think anybody else had uh Sterling K-Dub and uh Tabor back to back to back like we did and uh when, when you have that in your uh, conference schedule, it just just makes it kind of difficult because you have to play at such a high level, three straight games uh, to be on the same court as those three teams. So, and, and the other thing, Josh, at the end of the year, had you guys gotten in the postseason, you were one, one spot out. I think you're a team that nobody would have won to play because for those that didn't see the MAC women play, uh, Coach Nichols kind of changed up his philosophy as the season went along. He you know, he finally, you know, he got to know his personnel better. They went to a basically a trapping full court defense. And if you look at the turnover numbers about the last five or six games, you see 27 by the opposition, 28, 24. And it just took, you know, your girls really bought into it. And your bench came on so strong at the end of the year. You were playing 10, 11 girls. And I really felt like at the end of the year, you were a team nobody wanted to play. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was that was nice to be able to play that well at the end of the year. That's what everyone's shooting for. You want to peak at this at this time of year, not you know sometime in December. Uh, <laughs> but you know, unfortunately for us, we just don't have any games left to play. And, and I, I would I would gladly play anybody that would. Uh, I'll go anywhere to play. And real quick, how do you, the conference tournament starts tomorrow night for the women? Uh, Tabor's already in, and I've always seen this. You know, I've covered the KCAC for forty years. The team that wins the regular season championship sometimes isn't as focused. And Coach Schwarzenegger can he'll when we come back from the break, we'll talk about the men's tournament. But in this women's tournament, Tabor may not be as focused as they need to be, and somebody else could step up and win it. Uh, Bethany's a team right now to me that looks very scary. Absolutely, and, that that was the first team that came to my mind. Yeah, because um, basically, I think you've got. I don't think Bethel. We saw Bethel on Saturday. I don't think Bethel's got what it takes to make it because they don't handle the ball real well. But you got Tabor Sterling. And who's the other? KW, KW, right up there. I think any one of those three can win it, along with Bethany. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Bethany's playing really, really well right now. Uh, Coach Ferguson's got them kind of on the right path. They took a little dip um, in the season, and then he kind of got them refocused, and, and they they came out of the shoots playing really hard. And, and K-Dub, they just, their style of play is, is really tough. And that, that's probably the one team that handled us the best both times that our adjustments that we've made from game one to game two really didn't work out for us either. So those two teams for sure, and, and, and obviously Sterling um, has a great opportunity as well. Well, on the men's side, 
the question maybe isn't who is the best team in this league because there are so many that are right there at the top, but is this a team that's going to get three teams into the NAI National Tournament, which for a lot of conferences is hard to get done, where the winner of the regular season this year is Oklahoma Wesleyan, and they have just been so good, but they played an unbelievable game with Southwestern this past weekend down in Winfield. Coach Swartzenjerba, do you think this is a three-team league? Do you think three get in? I really with friends being the third. Well, I really think there's a great possibility. You know, as you uh, different things have to happen. I think first of all, friends needs to win their first round conference tournament game. They play St. Mary's tonight. Um, certainly, I would. You know, they're. Although I would say this, I'm not sure friends is playing that well. They really, to me, uh, stubbed their toe at Bethel the other night when. You know, we watched the game, and I would not say that either team played that well, but Bethel played better and was able to pull out an overtime win. Friends didn't really drop much in the rankings. They were 20th. They, the rankings came out yesterday. They dropped to 22nd. But a lot will depend on what happens in other conference tournaments. I mean, and maybe friends, if they can – I mean, when you have Jordan Murdoch, if he's on, <laughs> you've got a chance. And so they certainly – they played – South. you know, they split with Southwestern. They won at Southwestern, and Southwestern beat them on a last-second shot at friends. So that is the potential semifinal game in the conference. So – um, I think it does. I mean, I, again, Steve could say this too. He's watched the KCAC for all these years. To, you know, right now, Oklahoma Wesleyan's ranked number one in the nation. Southwestern's number eight. Friends, number 22. When have you ever seen the KCAC men have three teams ranked in the top 25, not to mention the number one ranked team in the nation? I mean, even right. the year we had that tremendous year, we got up to number four in the nation. We were the only KCAC team ranked that right. year. St. Mary's was kind of in and out, but – I mean, it's it's incredible to me to see three teams ranked in the top 25. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into both programs a little bit and recap the 2018-19 seasons. As, like Steve mentioned, Scurry's out of the room. He's sprinted out of here. We'll take our first break. We're back after this. You listen to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Sell, and we're joined in studio this afternoon by the basketball coaches at McPherson College, Josh Nichols and Tim Swartzendruber. Well, we want to recap your two 2018-2019 seasons, and for Coach Swartzendruber, your team got off to a really hot start this year. Coach Nichols, your team did too, and December was a really weird month for both of your teams, getting into the month, getting into conference play and, and getting those games underway before the Christmas break. And Coach Swartzendruber, your team started to play a little back-and-forth basketball at the beginning of conference play. You lose this one at home, you'd go on the road and win a tough game against a team like Sterling, then you'd come back, you'd turn around and lose a close one to Oklahoma Wesleyan, go on the road and, and knock off a team. At the beginning of this year, there was so much back-and-forth, and the weirdest part about your schedule this year is that your team was 1-11 in KCAC games at home, 
Do you ever remember a year where your team just struggled so much at home and played as well as you did on the road? Well, I really don't. And, I mean, I know, again, Steve's listened to me say this. You've been here. But, you know, my I always tell our players at the beginning of the season, our goal is to play our best basketball at the end of the year. And it was very disappointing to me that this year we did not. You know, we, we did not play well down the stretch. And we didn't play well at home overall. And that was just – it was puzzling, honestly. To I, I can't really put my finger on it. I think early on, uh, some injuries in December kind of set us back. That was, uh, and we just were not able to adjust there. Um, you know, we lost games where we had the lead. You know, we we led Oklahoma Wesleyan deep into the second half at Oklahoma Wesleyan. We led Ottawa both times, both at Ottawa and at home. Couldn't finish it off. Thought we had a great chance to win here against Bethany. Um, so it's it's as a coach, you certainly take a hard look at a lot of things you're doing and wonder uh, what you can do better next year. And Tim, you talk about the injuries, but there was one that uh, you and I have talked about. Uh, Dorian Page, the point guard, you brought him in last year. He basically redshirted because he's, he had a knee injury. He started strong this year. You were six and three out of the gate. He goes down, and it just shows you the value of how important. A point guard is not only handling the ball, playing good defense, but the leadership standpoint. Because he was a guy everybody really looked up to. If he said something, everybody on the team's ears kind of, oh, if Dorian says it, hey, you know, you perked up. And and he basically, I think he played one game the rest of the year. He tried to go one time, couldn't go. And uh, hopefully he'll be back 100% next year. But that injury really was crucial. Well, there's no question. And I think, again, I – I thought Josh Rivers did an outstanding job as a freshman. He really came in, gave us some tremendous minutes, really showed a lot of toughness, you know, made won a couple games for us, made some a couple of big free throws at York that iced the game for us, made a last second shot at Tabor. Um, really to me just showed uh, what kind of a player he's going to be but Dorian is just is is a special player he's a difference maker and he's a difference maker not only as you said just because of the the way he plays but just he's a leader um on the court in our and I, our guys knew that and after he went down uh, right after Thanksgiving we went into a, a slump there right before Christmas and we just we struggled to recover and now when you look you, you talked about recruiting you don't lose very many seniors um, as far as guys coming back, you don't know for sure who exactly you're going to have back. But what are the uh, priorities on the recruiting trail? Well, that's a great question. I mean, and that's what Coach Eskelson and Coach Blackwell and I have talked about that many times. And, you know, we've begun our, our postseason conferences with our players to get some feedback about who we think will, will be returning. Um, you know, conceivably on paper, you, we have 11 out of the 13 players back that suited up this year. And you throw Gage McCoy in there, who redshirted this year, had a knee injury. So you look at it, you go, well, virtually everybody's back. Plus, we had a young man, just was unbelievable on the JV the second half of the year, Hayden Dennis, who was phenomenal um, playing uh, on the JV. So we're, I, I guess the best way to put it is we're mainly focusing on freshmen. I don't believe we'll bring in any transfers. Um, it's, it's possible, depending on whether someone chooses not to return or not. But at this point, we're just focusing on bringing in freshmen. Yeah, I know you really want to find a guy – It'd be great to find a six, seven, about two hundred and thirty pound guy, but those don't grow on trees in the KCA. So you don't see very many 
big guys in the KCAC. Most of the post players in the conference are kind of in the six, 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 seven range, but they're kind of on the, you know, thinner side. You look at the uh, Wilkham kid. I, I think I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but but Wilkham down at uh, Oklahoma Wesley. He's six eight, about two twenty, and it looks like he's about forty years old. He's a man, but you just don't see too many of those kind of guys in the KCAC. And, and that's correct. The other thing I think, and you guys, you know, I, I see this just as basketball as a whole, and that is the days of having a dominant big man, are just, you just don't see that anymore. You know, when we played up at St. Mary's here at the end of the year, they were literally playing five guards, and we had that was difficult for us to match up. Where I What I think is really a, a bigger deficiency for us is our perimeter shooting. We've got to have guys who can make shots. If you if you're not a team that can make three-pointers, you're I think you're going to struggle because you look at the statistics now, Southwestern and Oklahoma Wesleyan in our league, they were averaging over 12 made three-point shots per game. We wow. were we were last in the league and we averaged just over 5. So that's an area that we feel we really need to be better at next year is is our perimeter shooting. Let's take our final break, and then we'll dive into Coach Nichols' women's team as they finish the year very strong, winning six of the last seven, and what they need to do looking ahead to next year and how things finished for his for his women's team in his first season. We'll take our, our final break. We're back after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You are listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Wrapping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. We're joined in studio this afternoon by the McPherson College basketball coaches, Josh Nichols and Tim Swartzendruber. We just talked a little bit about the men's side and a little bit overall with the KCAC all-conference teams and their postseason getting underway tonight on the men's side. But Coach Nichols, we heard from Coach Swartzendruber here a moment ago about injuries at the beginning of the season, which changed the season, and you guys had a really tough injury at the beginning of your year, too with Sinerica White getting hurt, what was that, the end of November, beginning of December. And it felt like for your team that it took a few games to adjust to that, and especially up until about the Christmas break. And then whenever you came back, it felt like you had adjusted to it, and you got back into a rhythm, and that's when you really played some of your best basketball. But those injuries for you, especially with a player that could score as much as Sinerica could and had the ball in her hands as much, it felt like it took you guys some time to overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, you, you you kind of have your preseason, you know, all your practice, and then and 10 or so games leading up to that injury, uh, trying to figure it out with that group. And then uh, when you find out she's she's gone for the year, uh, it's, it's who's going to step up and then how do you make the uh, – the proper uh, changes with your lineup and, and things like that to, to make it all start clicking. So it, it took, you know, probably four or five games for us to get a little bit of a rhythm. Um, then, then we probably played one of the ugliest offensive games possible towards the end of the year against St. Mary's and then follow that up with a, a Haskell game where they just they just shot the heck out of in the first quarter and kind of had us buried at that point in time. And uh, then you go to Christmas break, and, and I, one thing about basketball, 
especially at the NAI levels, you, you got that week or so breaking away from your team, uh, kind of focus yourself a little bit and come back, you know, energized and, and refocused. And uh, I thought we had really good practices um, at, at that end of tail end of December, early January before we started playing. I thought we were playing really well. It just wasn't showing up on the scoreboard. And then that Avalon game, we finally broke through and, had, and played a complete game. Um, and then from that point on, we played pretty well for the rest of the rest of the semester. One thing about your team, your starting five was pretty well set. Once Sinurka went out, your starting five, I think you started basically the same five mm-hmm. almost the remainder of the season. Early in the year, you weren't getting as much production out of your bench, but one player really started to step up, and then it was almost contagious. Ellie Gillen mm-hmm. would come off the bench, and I, I don't know how many – Steve double- loves Ellie Gillen. I, I'm a <laughs> every, every time something started to go wrong, you go, God, where's Ellie Gillen? I need to get her in the game. I'm a big where's Ellie, my girl, I'm, Ellie Gillen? Well, I like shooters, and Ellie Gillen can shoot, but it seemed to be contagious. Uh, you had about six or seven girls who knew their role. They would come in, go as hard as they could. Julie Olvera, another – I really like the way Steve's she played. Steve's second favorite player. Yeah, I like the way she played. She brought a lot of energy. And then some of your freshmen really started to mature. And you look the next year, I mean, you lose, you know, some key seniors. But uh, you got a lot of people back. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited about, you know, having, you know, Brittany Roberts back, Asia Timms uh, back, Ellie, obviously. Um, Mason Mosley, who was a backup point guard as a freshman, who really stepped up, especially second half of the year. So really excited about who we have coming back. Um, another another player who, who really stepped up. If you look at her stats for her first two years, I mean, she didn't hardly play it at all. But Brittany Harlow gave us good minutes, especially defensively throughout the year. And one thing, Steve mentioned your pressure defense. And the first couple of games when you threw out this new pressure defense – I think even you guys were so sped up by it where the other teams would just have a chance to leak to the other end and they'd have layups and they'd be missing them, but you sped teams up and there was this different energy with the team. And I don't know if that was just from playing this style and getting so much intensity out of it, but it felt like your team's intensity stepped up. And part of that comes with winning too, that you get more excitement, but the back, the back half of the season, last three or four games at home, you guys had girls screaming and jumping around on the bench. <laughs> Everybody was screaming at the crowd. They were jumping all over the place. That this basketball team became so much fun to watch in the second half of games because you just kept closing them out. And I think it all started off with that defense. And I don't know how you came up with it. We still don't really even know exactly how it works. And, Amoeba. <laughs> and we, and we, we won't give out all those secrets on the air to all of your opponents, but... Once you got that defense going, it felt like that's when this team found its identity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's you're absolutely right on the on the we sped teams up. We're not trying to get a steal every possession. It's nice if we could because uh, that turns into layups a lot of times. But we're just trying to get the other team uncomfortable, um, and that's that's first and foremost what we're trying to do is get that get that tempo going at a pace they're not comfortable with and a pace that we are more comfortable with. Uh, we're not a slow down, walking up and down the court team. So, uh, you know, can you, can you continue to uh, play that style for 40 minutes and then not get bogged down um, with your own offense and, and those mislabs you talked about? I mean, the heart rate gets going a little bit, you're wide open, and all of a sudden it goes off the backboard kind of funny, and we're, we get a rebound, and we're just running on the other way as quickly as we can. We talked to Tim about this, but recruiting, everybody would like to have a – you know, a post player, especially you have Brittany Roberts, who's mm-hmm. who I think she's about five nine, little maybe a little undersized compared to some of the other post players, but fourteen double doubles this year. And if you could play her at a four, 
you know, move Danny Holt to a three. I mean, that would be an impressive front line if you could find that one post player is like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, I know it's hard to find, but uh, what are the other recruiting uh, priorities? Uh, just like the men's team, we've got to have shooters. Um, if we have shooters, everything on the inside becomes a lot easier. Uh, Brittany has more room to work. Um, you know, everyone it makes everyone's life easier when you're putting the ball in the basket. So finding some other players like Ellie is going to be a big uh, thing for us over this in this recruiting season. And then we got to get some you know longer, uh, quicker athletes as well to play that style that we're trying to play. Well, what's coming up for both of you these next couple of weeks? Where will you be hitting the road recruiting? I know you've got lots of state tournaments here to be watching, state tournaments in Oklahoma and Missouri and Arkansas and all over the place. You had to get Arkansas. Well, we always have to. Yeah. Where will you guys be focusing a lot of your attention these next couple of weeks? Uh, you know, obviously the state tournaments, the region tournaments for junior college. Um, I'll take my uh, annual trip out to L.A. and watch a lot of junior college basketball out there as It sounds well. terrible today. It is. It's, you know, the sun's never shining there. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to that trip, obviously. And then, um, you know, then we'll bring in all our people in for visits as well. Coach Swartz and Druber? You know, we're primarily focused on, on freshmen. So I don't uh, – last year, Coach Eskelson went to California. That's how Delvon Hightower ended up at McPherson, who's been a, a great addition for us. But we've got a number of Kansas kids we've been talking to and a few in Oklahoma, but we're going to focus more, mostly on the Kansas kids here in the next couple weeks. Well, guys, we appreciated all of your help throughout this season, and we enjoyed watching your games. And it's, it's fun when you get to sit right next to the coaches and hear your coaching styles, hear your comments, what you're saying in the middle of games. Sometimes I'm just afraid that you guys hear all of Steve's comments <laughs> because somebody will miss a shot and he'll go, God, what, what kind of shot was that? And I get afraid all the time that you're going to turn around and say, hey, shut up there, old man. But we really enjoyed working with you guys this year, and we're looking forward already to 2019, 2020. And I get the feeling you'll be back in here for the Mayor's Cup talk before we know it in November, and I bet it will be a little bit better planned this time around. <laughs> well, you know, we are looking forward. They are The plans are to play it again at the Roundhouse next year, and we're still – I think they're negotiating whether it's going to be a Wednesday or Thursday night is the last I heard, but uh, uh, you're correct. It always gets here a lot quicker than you realize. But thank you to you guys, too. We really appreciate your support. Well, enjoy your off-season, even though it's probably not much of an off-season with well, all the recruiting and the craziness. It's a 12-month season now. In the old days, it didn't really used to be that way. But, boy, it sure is a 12-month season now. The father of dog ball had a little easier back in his yeah, day. Yeah, I, I think so. He was playing pickleball about this time. All right, well, we will wrap up today's show tomorrow. We'll run through all the sub-state brackets and where the Bullpups will be, who they'll be playing. We'll go through all of that. Steve will have it posted at midkansasonline.com as well. We'll wrap up today's show for the McPherson College basketball coaches, Josh Nichols and Tim Swartzen-Druber. And for Steve Sal, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Well, I guess it's